Well, thank you, worship team, for those songs. I pray that you have open hearts to receive the ancient words this morning. I couldn't help but think of what it says in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God goes where nothing else can. And so that's why we preach it here and we worship our God through it. Well, Keith and his wife, Nancy, are currently members here at Bethel. In fact, they were members here in this church, I believe, about 15 years ago. I'm putting in that ballpark. And they were here for about a year. And then he went to seminary from then. And, uh, and then after seminary, he went into bivocational work as a pastor. And uh, there in Tillida, I think it is Wisconsin, and uh in fact, we as men here in this church had opportunities to go there and fill in his pulpit when he went away on vacation. But now he's back in this church again, and it's great to have him and his wife as members. I believe it's in the providence of God and how this has all turned out. Keith did go to seminary, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and it was Southern Baptist Theological Seminary with a concentration in biblical counseling. Um, He also holds a bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he is currently a chaplain uh, for the state of Wisconsin, the Department of Corrections in Oshkosh, and he's been doing that since 2017. But his heart is in pastoral ministry. There's no doubt about it. We as elders, as we talked with them, could see his heart. And his passion and his hunger to minister the word of God, to disciple people's hearts. And uh, that's why he's a good fit here. Uh, I, we believe that. And so we're glad to have him come and share the word. And I trust this morning that you'll capture what we have already seen. So God bless you here. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here. If you have your Bible, I would ask that you'd open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, We're going to look at, I'll I'll be reading verses 1 through 11, and then really hone in on verses 3 through 11. And as we look at these passages, it really is my prayer that we would be challenged by what we see here, but we would also be encouraged by what we see in these texts. And so with that, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, And God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring 
of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength and so that we despaired of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us, you also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Well, a little background into the text we're looking at this morning. And again, this is a very brief background and really kind of what we know about the, the letter. There have been a lot of difficulties in the church at Corinth. Things got so bad that Paul finally sent Titus to check on the church. Eventually, Paul gets a, an encouraging report from Titus as they, they meet in Macedonia. And we can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 to 16. That's the encouraging part of the report. However, there are still problems. Namely, there are false apostles that are still amongst the family there at Corinth. In response, Paul writes 2 Corinthians to deal with these false teachers, to defend his ministry, and to encourage the rest at Corinth. And so with that... As a background, let's consider what's in the text and what we can learn for our, from, for our own lives. In verses 3 through 11, Paul is writing to the church about the affliction that came upon him. We see that in verses 9 and 10. And he's also sharing the benefits of that affliction. It is through what he shares that we are provided with principles that will help us deal with our sufferings as well. So what I want you to consider this morning would be three principles for responding to afflictions for your comfort and also for the comfort of others. Unless anybody get the wrong idea, I'm not talking about a self-centered comfort. This is certainly in regards to the body of Christ kind of way. That is what the focus is here. That is what our focus needs to be. And certainly that is what we want to see from the text, what the text is actually telling us. So let's look at verses 3 through 4a as we start. We see there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. What Paul is saying here is not simply some general statement of, of uh, acknowledgement of who God is. This is actually a phrase that would indicate a joyous praise over who God is. And it's really interesting to note that before he tells us anything about the affliction that we see later on in the text, he starts out with this, this, uh, this praise to who God is. And so what we want to consider in the text here, one of the things we can learn from what we see just in though that verse, verse and a little bit more, is that we need to praise God for who he is. That is what Paul is doing. It certainly sets an example for us. 
And it is a great way for us to, to move into or deal with any affliction that we might be dealing with. Certainly we should be praising God at any time <laughs> just for who He is. But it's kind of a counter-cultural thing or you know, even in the church to praise God in the midst of affliction. But that is where we need to run. We need to run to God. We need to run to Christ with regard to our praise and praise of Him for who He is and what He does. Albert Barnes says this about this passage. This entire passage is one that is exceedingly valuable as showing that there may be an elevated joy in the midst of deep affliction. I hope we see that in the text. Paul is praising God for who he is. And in the progression of this first verse, Paul praises God for being the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. And let's look at those Three, just starting with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can better understand this little introduction here, this praise, if you will, by looking at Ephesians 1.3. In Ephesians 1.3, we see a very similar passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That little tag at the end is very important, in Christ. We see that in chapter 1 of Ephesians repeated over and over again, in Christ, in Christ, in Him. A wise pastor once said when there's something repeated in the text that we need to draw attention to it, that wise pastor is Kirk. <laughs> it's very important that we see that there because it, it sets up the, the understanding for us that all of these things are only available in Christ. And it has the reference that we are now His children. Being in Christ is being saved. It's being afforded all the blessings that come forth from being a child of God. We need to hang on to things like that. We need to understand what those things mean. It is clear in seeing what we see in Ephesians 1, 3, and going back to what we see in first, or in second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, that all of these things are only available to those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, to the one who has become a child of God. It is through Jesus Christ that the spiritual blessings of God, like mercy and comfort, are bestowed upon the believer. And hopefully we really hang on to things like that, knowing that those things are not available apart from Jesus Christ. Paul then moves on to praising God for being the father of mercies. He is praising God for not giving us what we deserve. That is a great and glorious thing. We see that truth. I, I, I love this part of Scripture. <laughs> Some of those that heard me teach a while back in Sunday school, I reference this verse in Jonah 4.2. In Jonah 4.2, we see, he says, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. 
That is a merciful God. Jonah wants all the people of Nineveh destroyed. God has a different idea. God is compassionate. The people of Nineveh repent and are saved. And the third praise offered up here in this beginning verse is that of the praise for God being the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, not most comfort, but all comfort. There is no other place to go for comfort. And again, that is something I hope that we really take to heart. The idea of comfort here is to come alongside and help to strengthen. And we see no better example or expression of that than what we see in John 14 with regard to the Holy Spirit. He is the comforter, right? That is where we get our comfort. I would also point you to another passage. We're not going to go there and read it, but Isaiah 66, 13. And that is a really important passage in this sense. If you do an outline of the book of Isaiah, at the end of Isaiah, it is where God is talking to them, promising them about the restoration that's going to happen uh, in the future. They are in exile. They are not in a good situation. There is not much comfort where they are. But he is promising the restoration to their country. And in that verse, that is what's spelled out. He is talking about the future hope of Israel, which certainly would have strengthened them in where they were at the time. So while Paul is praising God for being the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, we also need to see that he's pointing out that God is the only source of these things. He is the only source. He's the only source of mercy. He's the only source of comfort. In the world we live in, people run to all kinds of things for comfort. Sadly, even in the Christian community, they run to things, all kinds of things for comfort. All those things of the world will never provide comfort. The only comfort is from our Heavenly Father, and hopefully we see those things. In fact, those are two things we should praise God for with regard to, again, just who He is. As we transition into verse 4a, we also see that not only is he the only source of comfort, but that he is the willing provider of comfort. He does not hold back from us comfort. He does not hold back from us mercy. He is willingly providing these things for us. And again, that should give us tremendous comfort in just knowing that one thing. He is the source and willing provider of all comfort. And he is the one, as we see in verse 4a, who comforts us in all our affliction. These magnificent truths should make us want to praise God, God again, regardless of our situation. Amen? Amen. As we look at Paul's praise here, Knowing that it is in connection with his affliction, we should be encouraged to praise God in our own afflictions. If what Paul has been through brings forth this praise of God, then certainly what we are going through should bring forth the praise of God. This is really good advice as we come along 
come alongside one another. So many times people want to seek help. They want to seek counsel. They want to seek uh, guidance and direction. And their goal is to get out of whatever they're in. And that's short-sighted. It's, it's very short-sighted as we're going to see uh, coming up here in the next section. The reality is that we need to have the perspective that, yes, we want to have God uh, interact in our lives and deliver us to comfort us, but it's with the purpose of helping others. And we see that as we look at uh, verse 4, 4a there in following who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And that's what we want to drive home to people as we meet with them, as we try to provide comfort to them and help them through their situation, is that them getting better, so to speak, is not the end game. It's training for them to be able to then provide comfort to others. So that's what we're seeing here in verse 4. In verse 4 where he says that um, that he will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. The affliction has the meaning there to be under pressure. And certainly as we look at verses 9 and 10 later on, it's obvious that Paul was under a tremendous amount of pressure. We find ourselves in in life circumstances in the same way. Many of us in this room have suffered immensely. Paul is not trying to make light of suffering. He's not trying to make light of being under pressure. He's not trying to minimize all of those things. But he is here telling us that there is a reason God provides all comfort. And that is because he wants Paul to know that he is equipping him to comfort other people. God was working through Paul to prepare him for something beyond himself. The comfort of God is not for the sole purpose of being delivered from affliction. The heavenly design is such that Paul was comforted in his affliction so that he was, he was equipped to comfort others who were in any affliction. Paul has come to know this, and we need to come to know this. As a body of Christ, we need to know this and supply it. For fellow believers who are going through suffering, we need to help them see that very same thing. They are being equipped for future ministry. Many people, again, fail to recognize that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that that's just kind of an automatic thing. It's something that's not really taught very well in in many churches. That there is a purpose in our suffering. That God is equipping us for something bigger and better. So while we see the reason for being comforted, we also need to know how this comes about. And in verses 5 through 7, I think we see or we should see in here the idea of how this comes about, we need to know that God works through us. God was working through Paul, and God works through us in the same way that he worked through Paul. Paul knows that God worked through him because of the comfort he received. 
In verse 5, we see, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Not only that, I'm sorry. So the idea here is that Paul suffered for the cause of Christ, and as he suffered, he was comforted. Not only that, but he was comforted in proportion to his suffering. For all of you math people out there, it's uh, the suffering is directly proportional to the comfort. Right? So think of it, think of it that way. It, it, what a magnificent truth. Right? We can suffer immensely and not have to worry about whether or not the comfort we're going to get is not up to the task, so to speak. God will always provide the comfort in proportion to the suffering. If you suffer much for the cause of Christ, you will be comforted much for the cause of Christ. As Paul proclaimed the gospel of Christ, he suffered for Christ. But as he suffered for God, as he suffered, God comforted him through Christ. His attitude is what we see in Colossians 1.24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is Christ, excuse me, which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Albert Barnes says this, And it may be observed as an universal truth that if we suffer in the cause of Christ, if we are persecuted, if we are oppressed, if we are defamed on his account, he will take care that our heart shall be filled with consolation. Amen. As Paul served Christ and suffered for it, God comforted Paul in proportion through Christ so that he could then comfort others. God works through us in the same way. We also see that Paul knew that God was working through him because of the comfort others received through him. In verses 6 and 7, we see this. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. comfort. In the Corinthians church, the affliction which Paul endured was for their comfort and for the promotion of salvation for others. Think of it this way. The more Paul is afflicted, the more he is, a com- is comforted and able to provide more comfort to them. And as he continues to be afflicted for the propagation of the gospel, the more opportunity there is for others to hear the gospel. What a wonderful truth that is. I mean, it's a difficult truth. We don't like to think about suffering. We don't like to think about affliction. <laughs> uh, that's not a nice proposition. But the reality was that the more Paul suffered, the more the gospel went forth. But we see that really, if you do or look at church history, we see that with regard to the movement of the gospel message, right? I think it was Tertullian that said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. 
We see that in China. You see that in Iran. You see some of that in, in places in Africa where Christians are suffering immensely, but it only results in more people coming to Christ. What a glorious thing that is. Paul's affliction resulted in the comfort and sanctification Some translations have that with salvation of others. And his comfort resulted in the comfort of others to help them patiently endure. So as he goes through all of these things, as others see him go through all of these things, they now have more boldness to continue in the faith, and they are able to patiently endure the same sufferings that Paul was suffering as they go about proclaiming the gospel as they go about trying to move or plant churches or whatever, they are now suffering the same things that Paul suffered. But because of the example of Paul, they now have endurance. What a wonderful thing that is. 2 Timothy 2.10 For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation of which is in Christ and with it eternal glory. And as Paul has been afflicted and comforted, he has been able to comfort some of those in Corinth who were going through the same sufferings. Upon hearing of the change that has occurred in them, he is convinced that they will continue to move forward. As he encourages others and sees them moving forward, He stays encouraged through what is going on in them. And again, that's just a wonderful thing as we work with people, as we come alongside a brother or sister in Christ and move through the affliction with them and see them come out on the other side and they continue to move forward and they are now comforting other people. They are steadfast in their faith. What a wonderful comfort that is to us. What a beautiful thing that is to our hearts to see all of that Transpire, and that's certainly what is going on in Paul's life. All of this because of how he was comforted by God in his sufferings and afflictions. The question that comes out of all of that, it's a difficult question, but the question would be, are we using our sufferings and comfort in the same way? Better just ask myself, right? Am I using my sufferings and my comfort in the same way that we see Paul using his sufferings and comfort and how he was equipped to do all of those things. That is a, it's a wonderful challenge for us, right? Many times we see these things and we kind of think that's kind of a, a downer of a message. <laughs> um, it's not very likable for those things. But by the grace of God, he is showing us those things. He is making us aware of how we need to uh, uh, pick up the bar, so to speak. We need to move the bar up a little bit. Uh, we see that in First uh, Thessalonians, right? That's the challenge that is given there, excel still more. You're doing well, but we need to excel still more. So, so far what we've seen here is uh, the, the principles that we, we get out of this. We praise God for who he is. We know that God is working through you. We see that in Paul's life. And lastly, the third principle that we can take away from this is we need to be reassured that God cares for you. Cares for you in the sense that he takes care of you. 
Again, it's not just that he's kind of uh, rubbing your back or patting you along to, to make you feel good about yourselves. He's taking care of you. And he's taking care of you in ways that sometimes we don't really think about. Verses 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. In verses 9 through 11, we see the reason Paul wrote what he did in verses 3 through 7. It's kind of, for most of us, well, again, I'll think, I'll I'll talk about myself. (laughs) It's backwards. I want to talk about why I'm suffering, and then I want to move on to what God's doing. And Paul's telling us, no, it's the other way around. I want to talk about who God is and what he's doing. And then if there's time, I'll get back to what's going on in my life. Uh, that's, that's how it should be. But anyway, this is all to reinforce what he has already said to them. Paul is, at this point, he's pouring out his heart to them. He's letting them know exactly what happened. He's letting them know how dire the circumstances were, where he was at. And certainly it makes us uh, kind of more intrigued into what he said earlier on about even the sense of proportion. Being afflicted in much, he is now comforted in much. It adds a whole other dimension to those earlier verses. Paul wants us to know how bad things were. This isn't, again, to draw attention to himself. It's all pointing to the glory of God and how God was working in his life. There is much speculation about the events that Paul is referring to here. We don't really know the exact situation. There's there's many commentators that will tell you that this is exactly what was going on there. We just don't know. But we do know that it was severe. We do know that it was bad. And we see that just by the wording that he uses there. He starts out by talking about how he was burdened excessively. I like how the King James Version translate this, translates this. It says he was pressed out of measure. He was pressed out of measure. He was beyond his strength, meaning that the circumstances were more than he could bear. I'm going to repeat that one. <laughs> they were more than he could bear. The reason I want to repeat that is because so many times I hear this uh, just makes me cringe. People will always say the saying is, God will not give you more than you can bear. Well, first of all, God doesn't give you that anyway. Um, that's, that's really the idea that God is giving you evil. He's not giving you that. He doesn't do that. But there are circumstances in life, as we see right here, that you do have more than you can bear. And we need to make sure that other people understand that as well. And there is a purpose for that, as we're going to see here. But he was beyond his strength. He despaired even of life. Whatever was going on in Paul, Paul was assured that he was facing certain death. That's what was going on in his life. Yet, as bad as things were, Paul sees a purpose to these circumstances. And we see that where he says, so that he would not trust in himself. 
given this horrible situation, how was it that God was caring for Paul? This is a great thing to be mindful of, and hopefully this is a way God deals with us as well. But one of the ways that God cares for Paul or was caring for Paul was by keeping him from self-reliance. Many times we need to be kept from self-reliance. We think we can do all these things on our own, and the more we think we can do these things on our own, the more God seems to get pushed aside. And it's just the opposite. Instead of pushing God aside, we need to run to God. We need to run to Christ. What a precious, precious truth to know that God is working in your life in such a way that you have no other alternative but to run to Him. We should be eager to run to Christ. Paul could not rely on his own devices to get out of his situation, and the only place to go was to God. What a great, great place to go. His extreme affliction had a way of driving him from himself to God. Second Corinthians 12:9, and he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Verse 10, we read this. Who delivered us from such a great peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. God cared for Paul by delivering him. And through the deliverance provided the assurance that he would deliver yet again, if it is for his own glory and Paul's good. And the same applies to us. I'm sure many people in here have been delivered from many, many different circumstances. That is a a reality that should show us that God will continue to deliver us from other circumstances if it is his will, and if it is for our good. And finally, in verse 11, we see you also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. How is it that God cares for us in this verse? God cares. He he certainly cared for Paul. And he cares for us in this way. He cares for us by providing others to pray for us. We we can never underestimate that. One of the, throw in a little bit of prison ministry here. (laughs) One of the very difficult things to deal with in the prison system with those that are Christians, I, I have no doubt that they're Christians, but with the climate that you have, it is very difficult to get them to take their issues to other Christian inmates. They're they're very afraid of being vulnerable. It's just a bad thing that happens within the prison environment. But it's always my encouragement for them when I know that there are other firm believers, committed believers on their unit, to direct them in that way. You want other people praying for me. They somehow think I have special power and I'm the only one that has to pray for them. 
um, that is obviously not true. And so I always want to direct them in that way, letting them see the blessing of having other people pray for them, but also making sure that they're not keeping a blessing from somebody else. There is a blessing for, that comes with praying for somebody else and seeing what happens as God moves in that person's life. I want them to see that. That's part of being the body of Christ. Paul knows the importance of having others pray for you. Uh, we see that in Romans 15:30. He certainly knows the importance of having others pray for you, and certainly that is a way that God cares for you by giving you those people. We have that right here, don't we? Right? I mean, we just open the newsletter. <laughs> open the newsletter. The pe- there's prayer requests in there. We have all kinds of opportunities to pray for people. That is God's way of enlisting you to do the very same thing and to have others do that for you. I'd encourage you to take advantage of that. Well, what do we see here with regard to all the things that we have looked at in the personal applications? We've been talking about all these things in Paul's life, but they are certainly applicable to our lives as well. Those things we need to pray for we need to we need to praise God for who he is and especially in the time of suffering we need to know and remember that God is working through us but for the comfort of others certainly our comfort is there but it's for the purpose of comforting others and we need to be reassured that God cares for us he's taking care of us and he will see us through What a mighty, mighty God we serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we see here in this text, uh, the challenge that's here in this text. Certainly may it encourage our hearts to think more deeply about how we are being comforted and how we are then taking that to comfort others. It is a clear, clear direction from this text. And may we be challenged to do that not only for the love of others, but for the love of you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.